0: next chapter
1: podcasts pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's
0: mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On Podcast series at Next Chapter Podcast. I've always been interested in the origin story of Shakespeare's plays. What was going on in England at the time he was writing? And... How did audiences react to those stories when they saw them on stage? We've had some really interesting conversations about the history and background of Shakespeare's plays as part of our Play on Bonus Content series at Next Chapter Podcasts. If you haven't had a chance to listen, make sure to look for the conversation that I had with Amrita Ramanan and Julie Foe about Coriolanus, or the interview I did with Alison Carey and Leslie Cross about Twelfth Night, Speaking of Leslie Cross, she's here with me now to help shed some light on our latest series, Henry V. Leslie is a theater historian, a dramaturg, and a director. She's currently the assistant professor at the University of Portland in theater studies, and she is the assistant professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, where she was also the associate artistic director of the Nevada Conservatory Theater. Leslie, it's great to have you back with us. Welcome to the Play On Podcast bonus content series for Henry V.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here to talk about this amazing play.
0: Me too. All right, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. When was this play written?
1: So, um, uh, again... Scholars don't always know the, the the correct answer to these things, but we're pretty sure about this one because um, there are some really topical allusions to what was going on during 1599, which is when most people think that this play was completed and then um, first produced. But Shakespeare was probably working on it for a couple of years before that because this is a third in a series of plays, starting with Henry IV, Part One, and then Henry IV, Part Two, which came out in 1596 and 97, and so this is. The concluding part of that trilogy, which uh, we believe audiences saw for the first time in the um, early spring of 1599.
0: And what happens in Henry the Fourth, Part One and Part Two, which our audiences haven't gotten to hear yet?
1: So Henry IV, Part One and Two is about um, Henry V's father, who took. The kingdom um, from Richard II after Richard II abdicated. And um, Henry, uh, who's also nicknamed Henry IV, who was also nicknamed Bolingbroke, came in as sort of the popular choice of the people. Um, he was not the popular choice of the um, Gentry um, or of the other royals, so there was a lot of um, infighting in that that took place um, during uh, Henry IV's reign between the different factions of nobles trying to, uh, so those of the folks who thought that Richard II should stay king, and those people who said Henry IV should become the king. So there was a lot of infighting going on, um, and in the uh, in Shakespeare's plays, and which is maybe not as historical as we want it to be. King Henry V who we see uh, in this piece um, is a young man and a little bit of a partier. Um, He likes hanging out with his um, less than noble friends uh, in a bar in Eastcheap, Cheap um, and we see him and his less than royal friends robbing people drinking too much womanizing which is not what, what, what you expect from uh, one of the great leaders of English history um, so that's the Henry we see in part one, part two Henry the fourth dies and we see um, uh, Hal as he is known in the Henry IV's half to grow up a little bit and take on the mantle of responsibility. And then in Henry V, we see him as a fully-fledged monarch um, ready to take on the world stage.
0: Is there any truth to this portrayal of Henry V, as as Shakespeare has written him, to be this sort of bad boy who basically has a, a moral awakening and becomes, I mean, moral, put it in quotes, right, but becomes this great king?
1: I mean, it's a good story. So, I mean, I, I see why people go for it. It's, it's hard to know. So, like, yes, potentially. Um, but what we do know is that during the time that Henry IV... Um, so, Henry IV was, during King Richard II's time, um, he was banished to France. So, during that time that he was banished to France, um, uh, Henry, Hal... Actually lived in King Richard II's court and uh, was one of his pages. So I think he knew Richard II quite well, actually. Um, and then once his dad took over, he went and fought in Wales against Owen Glendower. So he 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 had like a really strong military background before he ever became the king. And so between the time that he was a page for Richard II fighting Owen Glendower in Wales and then suddenly becoming the king. It's hard to think of how much time he had to sit around and um, hang out at bars. But, you know, there's potentially some some truth there and potentially not.
0: Was it a punitive thing for Richard II to make Henry the eventual Henry V his page?
1: Potentially. I never thought of it that way. I mean, I always thought of it as... Um, a little bit of that keep your enemies close um, thing. Because so, like, he had it,
0: banished his father.
1: Mm-hmm. And so the best thing is to like keep his son near you and make sure the son is on your team. So that when his dad decides to want to take over, he, you you have his kid. Um, uh, so I, I always looked at it more of that that thing. But there could be something punitive of, you know, you, you want to... Rise up against me, fine, I'm going to keep your kid. Um, like, as a hostage situation, almost in, in some ways. Um, but it's also, I think, where Henry learned how to be such a good king. Um, and there's a lot of, um, Marjorie Garber talks about this a lot in Shakespeare After All, um, how in um, Shakespeare's play and in the sort of the history of it, that you can really see Henry as the not Richard II, that there's a lot of ways that. How Richard II was weak; Henry is strong. Where Richard II didn't take a stand, Henry does take a stand. Um, uh, where Richard II questioned himself, Henry comes out bold. Um, so there, the, the, I think he learned a lot um, by watching um, what happened with that failed monarchy.
0: And was Richard II really considered a weak king?
1: Well, history is um, written by the conquerors, um, and the uh, the Henrys, and then the Tudors after them um, were the conquerors. Um, so, Henry V's wife, Catherine, who we see in this play, marries Owen Tudor after Henry V dies, and Owen Tudor is Queen Elizabeth's ancestor. So, th- there, as we're like looking at who's writing the history. Um, we want to be on the team of the Henrys, we want to be on the team of the Tudors, especially if you're William Shakespeare. Um, So I think at the time Elizabeth was uh, reigning, Richard II was definitely thought of as a, a weak ruler.
0: This is Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On podcast series. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with the creatives behind the scenes. To listen to the full interview, join the Play On Supporting Cast for just $5 a month, which by the time you hear this might be less than you'll pay for a gallon of gas. You'll get in depth interviews featuring some of the most brilliant artists working today. You'll also enjoy ad free episodes of the Play On podcast series. Subscribe today for $5 a month. Join the cast. Go to ncpodcast.com and sign up today. Thanks for listening.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.